Yeah, this one's good. Okay, right, cool. All right, awesome. So this is the 495 Podcast. This is number, uh, yeah, what number is this? This is number six, number six, I think. Wow. Um, with your hosts, Mike White from uh, greaterlongisland.com and Tom Wonk from The Float Place. What up? With locations in Deer Park and Patchogue. Yep. And uh, today's guest is Andrew Theodorakis. Hello. Long time, uh, well, lifelong Long Island resident, correct? Uh, I lived here about two-thirds of my life, yeah. Okay, I lived in Brooklyn for about a decade. Okay, well, it's still on the geographic island, right? Yes, technically. <laughs> um, and uh, in your older years, you lived not growing up, right? You grew up on Long Island. Grew up in Long Island, yeah. but when we used to work in New York, I used to live in Brooklyn. Right, right. Was, we'll that, get into that. That made sense. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andrew's a photographer, filmmaker. Um, did you get your start in journalism? I did, when yeah. I was 19. Wow. I what followed happened? around a photographer from the New York Daily News named Tom Monister, mm-hmm. and he uh, took a lot of famous photos of John Lennon and stuff, so that really impressed me, and uh-huh. that's all I wanted to do. And how'd you get into it? Just by circumstance. I had an uncle who worked at the Daily News, okay. and he got me in there at the copy desk, so I used to work for a man named Mike Lipak, who oh, yeah. really helped shape my career. He's one of these old-school news guys with the suspenders and, you know... Used to scream at everyone. So long time photo editor. Long time photo editor. Oh, legend. Andrew, keep your uh, mouth about five inches. From I'm the eating mic. the mic, huh? Okay. Well, if you turn away, that. that's probably oh, okay. that's probably the biggest problem we have. Okay. We're Long Islanders. We all speak with our bodies, and uh, yeah, it creates problems for the podcast. And I had this delicious beer here from Mike, which is uh, yeah. Southern Southern Tier. Yeah, it's not a local thing, but they were on sale. Come on, so. I was expecting local. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I worked for this guy, uh, Mike, who was old school man, like. I'd get screamed at some mornings for no reason, right. you know, just because you wake up and the next paper would have the New York Post would have something you wouldn't. And, you know, you get cursed out at 630 in the morning on your phone. Sure. You know, <laughs> rise and shine. Um, I do think that helped me a lot yeah. and got me in line. And now that I'm a boss, I don't really do that, mm-hmm. but I take some of his stuff. He yeah. taught me a lot. Yeah. But I, and then the next boss I had after him. I don't know if you remember Gretchen, but she was the total opposite. Mm-hmm. So I try to fall like right in the middle of these two people. Cool. But at the time, I never wanted to be a boss when I was a photographer. I just wanted to be a photographer. Sure, exactly. But then you get old and tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, just for some background, Andrew and I worked together. Um, I used to work at the New York Post and then the Daily News. And um, we actually saw each other a lot when we were at, working for different outlets. Probably, yeah. Because usually you don't see your uh, – you see your own reporters. but Oh, that's true. You're yeah, usually yeah. with the competition mostly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Those so weirdos we were... that used to work at the Post, man. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. They're good uh, people. <laughs> and then the uh, every once in a while, the uh, National Enquirer people would show up. Oh, Talk about yeah. weirdos. Yeah. But they'd always have limousines because they get yeah. like. And remember, they, they always used stuff. to pay for stories. Yeah, they pay for us, stories. We had to get the stories for free. And mm-hmm. these guys would come in, these British guys with all this money, and be like, oh, I'm just going to pay people to talk. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah, that was rough. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe just get a little closer oh, to the Okay, side, sorry. Um, but yeah, so. I need to learn this. Want to move back? <laughs> no, we're good. This theater seat's like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> very good. I'm just, I'm just not going to move. I'm You're not alone. <laughs> we spend about 10 minutes of every podcast All telling right. people to get back to the mic. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, were you there after the Russell Crowe incident? Yeah, Did I was there. We, that was one of the biggest melees outside of a court I've ever seen. I guess Russell Crowe threw a phone, phone. at someone. Yeah, smashed someone with like a, uh, a rotary phone or something. So, you know, we, I would say the majority of my career was like the, I call it like the tabloid era. Mm. I feel like after 9-11, people didn't you know, uh, want hard news. They didn't really like those stories as much. And it kind of turned into this huge paparazzi game where hmm, people yeah. were just following everyone all the time. And 
you know. It, yeah, I had to follow these guys. Sit but, outside but when you and I followed him, it was usually newsworthy. So we wouldn't just follow Russell Crowe. Yeah, like, if he like, was in New York he and you throw a phone at someone, it was the biggest deal in the world. Right. Yeah. So I remember when he came out of that courtroom, it was like one of the, you know, it's almost like a rugby scrub. It was like, you know, people getting elbowed. And all. It was crazy. Yeah. From yeah, him yeah. getting right to the car. But anyway, yeah, Russell Crowe. I wasn't there on. that day. I, I remember seeing all the footage. Yeah. And I, you know, it's it's cool because when you work in New York City in Saratown, we're kind of no, we're kind of totally shutting you down cool. here, but no problem um, at all. Yeah, I, I I would think it's interesting for people. Um, yeah, you get to know all the reporters, so when you do see these, um, you know, press events and uh, you know, perp walks or Russell Crowe yeah. pushing through the crowds, you see everybody, so yeah, it's kind of comical um, to see who's getting pushed around and who's yelling at the other guy. Uh, I had to sit outside Russell Crowe's victims. Um, Apartment it's always great Greenpoint. to sit outside victims' apartments. Yeah, yeah it's a good day. <laughs> and we were there all day long. Victim like the person who got hit with the phone? Yeah, the hit with yeah, the phone. Yeah, but we would be outside okay. of like, you know, murdered families yeah. of murdered children and have to like sit outside their house. Yeah. Ah. And just because someone had to do it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we would have to – and a lot of times we did good. Like they'd, they'd give us nice quotes about the people and give eventually, us photos yeah. and eventually. But, yeah. you know, we had to do it with compassion. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that was the key for us. That's something the broadcast journalists don't really get, the compassion part of yeah, it. Yeah, you had to actually give, you know, can you curse or no? Yeah, you can curse. Okay, yeah. you had to give a shit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. if you were just like, oh, there's another day of work, but if you're like, you know, wow, violence in this area is a problem, yeah. and we're going in there and, and talking to these people and really telling that side of the story. Sure. Yeah, no, it was easier for us um, to sort of um, uh, endear ourselves as as writers and photographers. Um, the, the broadcast side, um, and, you know, it's just a fact uh, sometimes they have that two seconds. They were looking for a reaction on the camera, so they'll just stick a mic in someone's face and say, "Like, how do you feel?" Yeah, and, which yeah. is the worst question because it yeah. always ends up with the same answer. They say, yeah. "How do you think I feel?" Yeah, or you know what? Like they wouldn't know the name of the deceased. Yeah, right. They'd right, be right. like, um, "Tell us about your daughter." Like, no, we would first thing we would do is like, "What's her name?" Okay, this we exactly. address her by name, and we'd say, "Tell yeah. us something about her." Not just how did this tragic thing happen. Right, like, right. We right. want to know about this kid so that like the family actually has something to look back on. Right. And you know, and sometimes they're reluctant to speak. And I think in the end, um, unless some idiot puts like a insensitive headline on uh, on these things, which happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the end, you know, we 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 try to use it as a tool to remember this person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and you you got into sports too. Did you start in sports? Or you started on the street. No, I started on the street. Yeah. Uh, I used to listen to a scanner every day. And, like, uh, that was part of the gig. So you'd get, a, like, an eight-hour shift. And at the start of the shift, you'd have to have your scanner on. So I started in Brooklyn. So if a fire or, like, someone was about to jump off a building and I wasn't there first, it was my ass. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been to a lot of jumpers, fires, five-alarm fires, shootings, cop shootings, you know. Mm-hmm. First on the scene at a lot of this stuff back then. And, you know, it used to be some powerful images to, to yeah. get a hold of. But it was also very stressful. You know, like yeah. I couldn't just sit down and like have a coffee in the morning. I'd have to like have the scanner in my ear and just, you know, wait yeah. or waiting for a call and then telling you you're going to some other state or country or, or wherever yeah, sure. to get on the next thing. So it was a lot of living on edge, you know, which is good now. I shoot weddings that are on Saturday. <laughs> I do documentary film work. I do it when I want to do it. Yeah. Kids. So. Right. If I was doing that other thing now, I'd be divorced. Yeah, know? I can imagine. You know? it's, it's it's no way to live uh, and, and balance out a family. And some of the some of the city folks, I don't know if it's more of a Long Island thing. Uh, they were they were pretty like the editors were in my opinion sometimes insensitive when you had family obligations yeah. like it's my nephew's communion you're yeah. like what do you mean you you turned down overtime three yeah. times this week I'm like no dude it's my nephew's communion I know yeah. you don't give a shit about like that yeah you know <laughs> and, and in like your twenties it's cool to dedicate your life to like your job you yeah, know yeah. and then in, I mean even in your thirties but yeah. you know you get to a point where you got to make a decision right yeah so, and so uh, and but I mean, also the state of journalism also helped my decision. 
because I got laid off, I don't know, five years ago with like, with Dave Hanshu. I got laid off with Dave Hanshu, who broke both his legs in 9-11 covering it wow. as a photographer. Yeah, yeah. You know? Wow. I'm like, they laid him off and like, they laid me off and I'm not trying to talk too much about myself, but I did sure. everything for this paper. Like, yeah. Sports. Blah, blah. I didn't take it personally and I still work for them. You yeah. know, it's just the nature of the business. You know, yeah, sure. There's no yeah, need they want for the survive. quality photography. There's no need to pay someone when, you know, you can get it. On an iPhone, but we're not going to sit here and just talk about stage. <laughs> I'll remember <laughs> that uh, that Chicago Cubs uh, when they won the World Series and and uh, that blew up. It was the Red Wings. Oh, was it Red Wings? Yes. Oh, I and thought they, it was at Wrigley. No, it was the Red Wings, and they put up a, a iPhone picture from the reporter, and it was like, yeah, <laughs> I know, you know, the world's professional journalists yeah. lost their minds. Yeah. Uh, if the photographers did anything, but now they're just paying agencies that pay photographers nothing. Right, right. Yeah. But again, I'm not going to talk about the state of journalism <laughs> because I'll tell you the future of journalism is, I think, local blogs like Greater Patchogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so too. Um, guys that are dedicated and guys that just want to um, get the sense of community and what's going on. Yeah. You know? And I, I just wish a lot of these, like uh, like I complain about Facebook, and I feel like a lot of these, these places aren't making it easier for someone like him. You know, he should he should be getting some sort of benefits or, or kickbacks, I think, from... You know, almost like they do, um, like the BBC or like, you know, public mm. radio. I think local blogs should get some sort of funding. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds good. You know, as long as you meet the standards of whatever. Sure. Yeah, and, and you know, things get political and too. And you should so. get free advertising on Facebook. <laughs> Got that, Mark? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, ter- personally, I think, uh, you know, my sites and you know other sites uh, like it uh, are boon to Facebook because it's quality content uh, that yeah. we're sharing to them for free. It's all Donald Trump. Like, come on. Yeah. You're going to read about Donald Trump every yeah. morning? Like, let's hear some local place right. that's open. Let's see some cool stuff mixed Fa- in there. Facebook's funny. It's like, <clears throat> I always say it's like, uh, for me, building my website, my audience, I'd write stories that would sort of go locally viral. And it was great because Facebook was a big driver of that traffic. Um, but I always said Facebook is like your best friend that's always trying to sleep with your girlfriend. <laughs> like, they, every which way they were trying to to get me and others like me to publish directly to Facebook so people would stay on Facebook and then they would promise to sell ads around our content uh, at 20% and then it was, you know, at 30% and then, you know, those numbers were going down and now that Facebook changed their algorithms to de-emphasize news mm-hmm. and media, um, I don't know what's happened to those, all those people Thanks that for explaining that. I was just spitting out things to you. <laughs> She's actually explaining what I'm talking about. But yeah, so now um, I, I I don't know, you know, what, what these news outlets that are publishing directly to facebook um what they're even doing now mm-hmm. i think facebook who like you know what, i'm in these local groups like uh parents three village parents and you're you know mm-hmm. and and there's there's a huge online market right there where these people should be seeing some of our stuff right you know because we're covering the parades and the right. whatever yeah it's and right like, now why aren't we yeah you know because they need to make us pay for it Right, it's hard right. enough to, to to do this. Yeah, that's basically know? it. I mean, especially starting up like the, like you did. You know how how long you been around? Uh, three years, July first. Nice. Yeah. So we started with Patchogue, and now we have Patchogue, Bayshore, Babylon, Port Jeff, and we co- cover the downtown. The big emphasis on the downtowns, but then also the surrounding, yeah. you know, communities. And that's how Tom and I got to know each other when they um, when him and Hardy opened the float place in uh, in um. Patchogue here uh you know everyone was there was such a buzz and Mm -hmm. you know we went over there and nick esposito actually wrote the story and uh, came back so jacked up about you and hardy (laughs) and you know talking about what you guys do i like when reporters get excited about stories because it's always reflected in their writing important yeah Yeah. and then you know when they're dragging ass on a story that it's it's not gonna be that great (laughs) the north is next north shore is next yeah the north shore it's coming yeah so uh (laughs) yeah we're scaling the walls yeah um but yeah so uh 
you were telling me something fascinating yesterday. I don't know. The, all right, I, so we're, we're bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Just to end this uh, oh, I, journalism thing. And it, I, I did want to ask you, yeah. in, this, in the sports realm, yes. what, what are some of the more uh, memorable moments that you were able to shoot photos that, you know, sometimes would get picked up elsewhere or what have you? you know? Giants uh, Super Bowl. I took a nice picture of Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Mariano, Super Bowl? Uh, the second one. Okay. Um, that they put on the front. I was proud of that. Um, Mariano Rivera's last game. Uh, that was a good one for me. Um, well, not, I, I hate the Yankees actually, but what was yeah, he like? Still, I mean, that's a <laughs> yeah. That's a great you know thing. what? Working yeah. for the Yankees was never easy. Yeah. Um, and still isn't. You know, because <laughs> they want control of everything. So mm. wow. I have very specific places that I can shoot from and. You know, they can only control what I get. Whereas, you know, you go to the Met game, they're, you know, they're just happy you're there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I've always was a Met fan, you know, yeah, 86. I, I lived in Long Island and, you know, I was just getting into baseball. So everyone was, I grew up in Queens and, uh, man, I didn't even, I didn't even know. And people can't believe this in 1986. I didn't even know a Yankee fan for yeah, they, years they of my childhood. Yeah. Years. I remember I went to a Met game and someone had a Yankee hat on and I was like, what? Then they all switched and, you know. Yeah, everyone switched. Their, yeah, like 93. <laughs> yep. But, um, Tom, are you a baseball fan or a sports yeah, fan? Yeah, I'm a Met fan. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and then uh, let me think of any other sports photos. I, I don't know. What was Eli doing in that photo? He was cheering after he, um, you know, it's like one of those jubilation yeah, 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 screams yeah. after they won. Mm. Um. And then, uh, what else? I can't. It's, 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 you had to You know what? I got a good point. stuff. I got good stuff when the Jets lost the AFC championship. I was in to the, the locker Pittsburgh room with them. Steelers? Yeah. And I remember Sanchez was naked in the shower. Mm-hmm. And it was the one time I didn't take a picture. I always took pictures. But uh-huh. I was like, yeah, this guy's crying in the shower. I'm not going to take a picture of him. Uh, but I did get good stuff of like being in that locker room when they lost in the AFC was like one of the. I don't know, man. You just felt it. Like, holy wow. shit, these guys yeah. worked so hard to get here. And now they got to wait a whole nother year and they're probably never going to get back. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, right. it was, it was intense. It was like after Carlos Beltran, uh, failed to swing at that slurve at the end of the, uh, <laughs> Oh, he stood like a statue in 06. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The, uh, I think the news, they had the, um, the best headline there. You got to breathe. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> I felt like, so I felt like someone died like driving yeah. home that night and, yeah. From from downtown Manhattan, yeah. but uh, and honestly, to me, that losing was more memorable than any of the winning stuff. Wow, uh, you know what? When you're around these teams all the time, you get like desensitized to everything. So, sure. like, you know, when they're winning, you're just doing your job. And it's I don't know. It's, it, people think, oh, you're going to the games. Like, no, I'm not going to the game. Excuse me, drinking beer and and, and <laughs> you know, I'm not right. there like carrying around my heavy equipment for a 13 hour day. Not that it's, yeah, yeah. I don't enjoy it, but it's not it's not like being a fan and getting in back and forth is, is the yeah, pits. Man. Yeah, so you know, as it, just summing up the career there. uh Unfortunately, like I said, it you know it was mostly a tabloid time. So I'm known for like this Martha Stewart picture I got when she was in prison, mm. and that was worth a lot of money, and I made a lot of money on it. But it was like whatever as far as my career to me. Um, and then uh, the did you rec- know? Did Sorry? you know right away when you took the picture like that? Yeah, got it. yeah. I was there for a week, and my old boss made me stay extra while everyone else got to go home. But it paid oh, off. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> and um, I always wondered that, like if. if Photographers and videographers it's, it's knew, like I got, feeling. I got that moment. Like it's a cool yeah, feeling, right, right, and especially right. if nobody else did, like yeah. I got it, is, it. That that is a rush. Yeah, walking back, you feel like you like, like, yeah. won the golden ticket. Especially, like, just go home. Remember Charlie. back then <laughs> when you used to get a win? Like you'd wake up the next day. Oh, and yeah, yeah. And the thing is, no one would know for six hours. Yeah. Because like now, you they turn, you know, it's right on the internet. Right. You'd wait. Mm-hmm. You'd open the paper. All of a sudden, people, and you're way ahead of the other people. Oh yeah. And then you, when you get to the scene the next day, because these stories always need a, a, a big story. If 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 something's on the cover of a and you get first, yeah, you're in. Yeah, you get it first. 
well, for one, it always has to be followed up the next day. Yeah. A newspaper but you're ahead of one to follow up because yeah. you've already done it and exactly. they're catching up. Then you roll up and everyone's sweating <laughs> you or hating you. Yeah. The the fun part is when you get something good. Now you you become friends with these people in the streets. So if I if we're you know staking out some mom who's involved with something or you know Randy Johnson or something like that, um, whether it's a regular people dealing with tragedy or or what have you, um, you get to know the other reporters even though you're competition. You're human beings, so you're sitting there for t- 8, 10, 15 hours together. You get to know each other. You're laughing. You're joking. Um, but if you have something good, you don't tell the other reporter. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ran into the brother-in-law around the block and he gave you a picture of the little girl or what, ha- or what it is, um, that you know that sort of uh, yeah, we used to call it like, uh, yeah, um, like the holy grail of, of, yeah. of these stories, you wouldn't tell the other person. You just have to kind of just keep it on the wraps. Right. And then the next day, they're like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> like a good fishing spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time that happened, I was covering Roger Clemens in Texas with Adam Nichols. Remember that? I, don't know I went to see Roger Clemens in Texas, too. They sent me yeah. out to Waco. Yeah, and uh, he came <laughs> out, and he, uh, I got the picture of him out of his house. He was pissed. His wife was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to the Starbucks and sent the picture to the paper. And I remember going on the website and seeing the picture like an hour later. And I was like, whoa. Like, they didn't wait till the next day to put that on the cover. They put right, it online. Right, right, like, right. wow. That's when you knew things were changing. I was like, yeah, I was like, this is, this is a whole different game now. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, there was the tabloid. I got famous for a picture I took of uh, Rex Ryan. Um, he skipped the Jets' loss and he skipped town to go to the Bahamas. And he skipped mm-hmm. the press check, meeting. Check out some feet. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> awesome. he, he, he skips out of the press meeting, and I'm at the press meeting. Everyone's like, where is he? And someone's like, oh, yeah, he's in the Bahamas. So they sent me to the Bahamas. And I got a picture of him lying on the beach. And I he, remember that picture. Yeah, he had a tattoo of uh, his, his wife, I guess, with a Sanchez jersey. And, you know. Wait, what? He's yeah, th- it, was, it was this total tabloid stupid thing. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. He, and then. You he know, actually the next, has that tattoo, though. Yeah, he does. It's it's the it's with the feet thing. He always had these like little things, but whatever. You know, right. he's, he's a, yeah, that's no, the that's kind of guy that's he is. Cool. You know? Yeah, I don't judge him. But <laughs> I didn't. Even, I wasn't even doing that. I was just trying to get a picture of him on the beach, showing like, yeah. and it was you know he skipped the press thing, and you know he's on the beach now. I thought it was relevant. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel like guilty. Yeah, it was newsworthy. Yeah. I didn't feel guilty about it. But then the next day, I saw like Rex Ryan tattoo on the ESPN sidebar, and I was like. Oof. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm known more for like these kind of photos. And I was always kind of the guy that could get into places that other people couldn't. Or yeah. like, you know, I, I I would do a little more of the things that, you know. You're a little more normal than your typical photojournalist. But, yeah, I would always, you know, think of <laughs> Some ways. of those guys are out there, man. Not yeah, to but talk I would, I, ill of your brethren. I was um, competitive. And if, yeah. you know, if I wanted to get a place or talk to someone, I would... I would try to, you know, I would almost like do it. All right, you, Todd Mizell. Where, <laughs> where, where do you stack it? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, um, but I did, uh, you know, I was nominated for uh, a Pulitzer when I went to the Amish shooting out there. Yeah. Someone went into a schoolhouse and killed. So, yeah. you know, in a lot of my um, good journalism, um, you need like a cough button. And I'll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the pros have. This isn't Sixth <laughs> Avenue, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's a. Uh, my my career, I think, was defined in journalism by school shootings because I went to Virginia Tech. Yeah. I won some awards for stuff I did down there. Newtown, uh, oh, wow. Aurora, Calif- uh, Colorado, um, Vegas. I was oh. in Vegas for a wedding convention. Oh, you were. And I flew in, and the shooting was going down. I couldn't get an Uber. Wow. And I was like, shit, I'm at another one of these things? Jesus. And I wasn't even sent there. You know, I was just yeah, there because I was at a wedding convention for, for my business. Holy crap. Yeah, wow. so like I wound up, you know, working for Getty a little bit and getting some stuff on that. Mm-hmm. But it's like really, 
it's not good photography. It's it's not like it's mostly people crying, yeah, you know, and like these like crying, yeah. and it's like the worst thing. Like I, I had to photograph these Amish people who don't want to be photographed, yeah, you know, and show emotion. So that's like what I think what my career was defined by jur- journalistically, yeah. because I think that's what what the news was from two thousand three or four to I started shooting sports in like oh eight oh nine. Yeah. God, that's anyway. pretty much humanity as, at its worst. <laughs> You know, short of being a oh, war and, uh, photographer. You know, hurricanes. I got to do a lot of the. Uh, I got to go to Obama's inauguration. Oh wow! Well, you know, well. I was waiting for like that big photo, like you know the JFK mm-hmm. salute. You know, mm-hmm. Johnny Jr. Like I was like, oh, I want yeah, this yeah, photo yeah. that's going to like define the Obama. Yeah. You know, uh, inauguration. No, I didn't get anything. I was in the mall with four million other people. <laughs> you know, I tried, but it was yeah. it was a crazy day. Wow. I was like, you know, he, well, and then you know what happened? Actually, just last story about this. Sure. To talk about newspapers several day. The day before, we had the only photography meeting at the Daily News ever, and all of us were in there, like you know Susan Watts, uh, Todd. We talked about Julia. We were all in mm-hmm. this room, and we talked about how we're going to cover the inauguration. He lets us go, and Sully lands the plane in in Hudson, like literally as all of us left. He's like, "Take the day off." So oh I no! We're like being in Brooklyn, and they're like, "Oh, plane's down in the Hudson." And I was like, eh, "It's probably one of those like little Cessna planes." Yeah, yeah, like, it always is. Yeah. I heard it. I tried to scan it, and they're like you know whatever flight it was and i was like whoa you know and i got sure i went right to jersey because that's where they sent me to go to jersey so i got to jersey and i got all the people coming off the the boat was the daily news on the west side still or they're downtown at that point no they were still there west oh, okay right so they were right there yeah. yeah and then later in that night I'd, i bought a picture from this little french kid teenager who was you know there drinking with his buddies and he, he was on the intrepid he had to get this amazing photo that they put on the front page of the Daily News. Oh, like wow. Both people, you know, people on the Everyone wings. Everyone on the wings, yeah. The, the one guy in his underwear yeah. from Mattatuck? Yeah, yeah. That's and, a funny story, and, by and the way. And Pack's like, uh, you need 500 bucks, and you got to get to this location. So I get to the location um, and buy the photo for five bucks. <laughs> this, kid, this kid didn't know what he has. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, 500 bucks at yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he was a could, teenager. He didn't care. He could have made more than five hundred. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if he got into, that's how life works. And this was like a, another weird part of the job. Every so often, there would be a photo like that, and I'd have to like get into a bidding war with the post. Yeah, and he'd be coming back, and be like three thousand. That like, is Hold a on. weird part of the hey, job. Mike, man. He said three thousand dollars. <laughs> like, tell him thirty five. Tell him thirty five. You know, right, and right. I have to be like negotiating over some. Photo. And give him some candy. <laughs> uh, there's a, one of the people on the, those wings is, is a kid from Mattatuck. I guess he was in his early twenties. We wrote about him when, when I was working at the Suffolk Times and, and uh, the Riverhead News Review. Um, he's in his underwear <laughs> because he said when the plane was going down, he was like, "Holy shit! If we if we're in war, I don't want my clothes to weigh me down." Yeah, supposed to take his shoes and so pants. So took off all his clothes, and then he ended up on this wing yeah. in his tidy whities Yeah, just having. <laughs> Be in the newspaper. And- but uh, speaking of Cessnas, I was actually um, – who was the Yankee that crashed his plane? Corey Lytle. I was Corey there. Lytle. Corey Lytle. 72nd and 1st. So I was uh, I was the first to know that it was Corey Lytle. My my brother was a captain, and uh, and he was the commanding officer on the scene. So he called me up. He goes, Mike, this plane belongs to um, – you know, this is Corey Lytle that, that died. I'm like, Ed, are you sure, man? You know? He's like, yeah. He's like, unless someone took – stole Corey Lytle's wallet. Put it in his pocket and then stole his plane and crashed it in the, on, on the east side. That's Corey. So did we break that first? Or so yeah, we broke that first. So I called. Uh, I I was in uh, one police plaza. Yeah, well, you and I called shack. the desk and told him it was Corey Lytle. Yeah, and then within seconds, uh, you know, that's right. You did the shack. I don't envy that job. These guys used to sit in police plaza and just like basically yeah. have to deal with cops all day. Cops you know? all day. I was. It was more like a you rewrite don't want to job. Talk to the media. Yeah. yeah, it was more a rewrite job. Yeah. Um, 80% of it was rewrite. People on the streets calling you with quotes from victims and things like that. And then you have yeah. to – I remember once I wrote a front cover story in 16 minutes. Yeah. 
I got this stuff from the cops. The reporters called me, and I had 16 minutes to get that thing yeah. done. <laughs> that Corey Lytle crash, yeah. I got there quick. Got kicked out. Went to the next building. Had my giant 300-millimeter lens, and I'm shooting with it. And I don't know what happened, but it detached from the body. <laughs> and, like, I caught it, like, over the oh my God. building. Dude, it was the worst feeling of my life. <laughs> I was like, I still never forget that about the Corey Lytle thing when I almost dropped a 50 God, killed somebody. Holy shit. That would have been a, like, just yeah, that as been the story. big a story. That would have been the news story. Oh, my God. If you hit someone famous, it would have, been, it would have eclipsed Corey Lytle's headlines. Oh, boy. So if you're carrying a giant lens on a building, uh, you know, have yeah. the proper safety harness. Yeah, the uh, Which I advice for budding photographers. I would wind up doing a lot at MSG. I'd go up in the rafters, mm. and I'd tie, no joke, like a 50, 60-pound lens to like a cable and put the camera on it and then have a remote i'd put it like directly over the goal or over the basket mm -hmm. so when they dunk you can hit the remote and get like the bird's eye stuff you've probably seen oh wow like that before. oh hell yeah man yeah it's cool stuff. wow all right so no more talk about journalism let's move on we're off we're journalism good. um that's the problem with journalists when they get together they just that's yeah what we talk about yeah it's like firefighters Remember when we usually go out for drinks and we be like okay let's not talk about work yeah and that's all we're talking about <laughs> work. um well andrew now you you run your own company um yellow house images mm -hmm. Uh, wedding photography. It's a great gig, man. I love, I love going to weddings every weekend. It's fun. You know, yeah. people want me there. So right, 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 right. Happy yes. to see me. Yeah, when you're used to uh, crashing places. As yeah, a and I create a fun vibe, and I get to go. You know, we we kind of do a lot of um, vineyards, and and I do a lot in the Catskills, Hamptons, beaches. Mm. Like I got awesome. go to a lot of cool venues, do a lot of cool stuff. And you got great uh, people working for you, man. I don't know great where you people. find these people. Uh, like one's more local, talented than the next. A lot man. of local guys. Yeah. A lot of journalists. Yeah. You know, okay. journalists work hard. Gotcha. But then, then the local guys, you know, some guys I grew up with that I've been teaching all the ropes. Right, right. Yeah, journalists do work hard, and and I'm not sure if it's nature versus nurture, like if we, we're just conditioned. But uh, well, people even told me, like, you're going to burn out. I'm like, dude, I've been working day and night my whole yeah. adult life. And <laughs> the best <laughs> thing is they're, they're hard workers, and they're used to working for low pay. So right, if you right. finally pay them, right, they work they're... twice as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. And... um. So yeah, yeah, but basically what this has done is uh, it's been it's been uh, freeing me up a lot now because I have people working for me that I can finally start working on some editorial documentary work, which is my true passion. Yeah. I feel like there is no good outlet for editorial video. Uh, the newspapers weren't able to do it. Um, I think Vice is close. Mm -hmm. um, I still think they're. I heard it. They're hard to work with and. Sorry, Vice. This is what the journalists are telling me. Yeah, that they're just not good company to work for. So I stayed yeah. away from I, that. I hear so many up and up and down things about Vice. Like they put well, out such great content. Well, and they had that big it's a business, though, you. man. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be able to run a business. Right. You know, it's completely different. Right. You got to have both sides, not just the editorial. You got the business side to it. Mm -hmm. So um, Newsday wins a ton of awards, uh, but the problem with Newsday, in my opinion, is I, I, I never see these videos. No. Like Newsday videos don't find me, and in, in, in 2018 you have to and you have to pay a subscription to Newsday, and they're not mm -hmm. all on social media like we talked about. Yeah. The problem you're having, yeah, I don't see that stuff. Um, you have to search. You're right. Right. Yeah. You seek um, it out. Yeah. You know they do good work, and they're close, but still, you know. They they don't uh, let the guys edit themselves. That was a big one for me. You know, like I want to shoot and I want to edit because mm -hmm. I want the creative control. Because God knows what I'm mm -hmm. shooting and I have a vision, and then all of a sudden someone just does something else with it. Wait, for the record, I think we're crushing it. Great Long Island video. Yeah, we are. I got a good one coming up for you tomorrow. All right, good. I'm really excited about that. I'm going back to my prom. It's been 20 years, so I'm doing a little video about the Ward Melville prom. Awesome. It's going to be really nice. Awesome. And yeah, so we'll publish that on Greater Port Jeff. Yeah, look for that. Um, um, and then, yeah, so now I've been doing a lot of documentary work. Um, 
And, you know, like, where do you start? I, I did an Islander video that got viral mm-hmm. um, when they left the Coliseum. I kind of, like, made a little music documentary type thing. Um, and now – and then I put all my time into the weddings, but now I'm back to really getting this editorial thing down. So the fir- I got a friend. Um, his name is Sean Big Earth. He uh, is a music producer. He produced some local rap guys around here. And he kind of got me into the, you know, meeting some of these guys. And then, you know, basically I thought about it. And, you know, there is a lot of uh, that type of music around Long Island where we grew up. A lot of it came from here. Rap and hip hop. Rap and hip hop. Some of the most famous names yeah. in history. Can you name any? Eric Simon. That's one. There you go. Yeah, you and I spent a yes. couple hours Yes, we did. We interviewed Eric. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, the big five, I think, are Eric Sermon, um, Public Enemy, De La Soul, uh Bismarck LL. Yeah, that's the secret one. Ah, this people, is people don't know that LL is from Bayshore. Okay, yeah. He, really? He didn't wear that on his no. sleeve. Yeah. No, he's everyone Queens, all time Queens. And that's yeah. it wasn't cool to be from here. So that's why I mean I didn't know that like Did he go to Bayshore High School and like graduate from Bayshore High School? I, I don't yeah, know he if he graduated. Well, I don't know. He graduated. had a grandmother who lived here who he spent most of his time with. That's oh okay. What, that's what I've been uncovering. Yeah. Um, ah. Am I missing anyone? Uh, Rakim, of course, who many consider to be the greatest yeah, MC yeah. of all time, is from Wine Dance. Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes, too. Yeah. Um, who came names. from Public Enemy. <laughs> right, right. He was in their Hempstead camp. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and leaders of the New School, who were from Amityville as well, I think. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, you know, there was a lot of this good music, but it wasn't cool to say you were from here, so, like, a lot of people just don't know that, yeah. you know. Um, and... You know, through my five findings and going through, you know, I, I did determine that, you know, a lot of people had cars out here. Mm. So they're able to travel around and hear all this different kind of music from this new genre that's coming out. Whereas a lot of the Queens guys would stay in Queens. A lot of the Bronx guys would stay in the Bronx and not leave. What I found fascinating, what Eric was saying, you know, he grew up in Brentwood during a, you know, changing in demographics from mm-hmm. from white to Yeah, white to flight is a big Hispanic. theme in this. Yeah, white flight. So he, when he went to high school, he went to school with a lot of white kids, a lot of Hispanic kids. Mm-hmm. And he said he was exposed to every type of music as opposed yeah. to, you know, maybe someone who's going to school in, in, well, uh, in Brooklyn. Li- he's only going to, in a homogeneous mm-hmm. situation. Yes. Uh, so he was really exposed to a lot to of interesting music. music. Listen to EPMD. It's, it's Eric Clapton samples. It's, you know, it's ZZ Top. It's The Who. It's because he... A lot of those guys might not have been hearing that kind of music. Right, they were probably right, hearing right. more of like the George Clinton soul, funk, all that stuff. Right, so yeah. Hmm. That made it a little different. But And so basically, the thing with rap is it's a little bit like wrestling. You know, this is what I've determined. You kind of have to have like a character and a persona. And then you also have to be good at your art. So like that's kind of a lot of the things with the rappers coming up. Like who is he? What's his name? Besides, mm-hmm. before he even gets on the microphone and starts to, this day. to do his art. To this day, yeah. I kind of think, you know. Yeah. So... There isn't really one style from here, you know, like De La Soul is definitely more towards like the hip. They're like hippies and, you know, their their music's very like uh, funk. Mm-hmm. And then Public Enemy, they're like hard militant, you know, pro-black and their music's very political. EPMD is very, um, you know, they're about the live show and the funk and like party, you know, kind of like what the Beastie Boys and Run DMC were doing. Right, you know? and they toured together a lot. Yeah, and they toured together yeah, a lot, Beasties, true. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, Rock Him is just the lyrics, the conscience lyrics, you know, where hmm. God and that, uh, you know, the thing, the stuff he talks about. A little bit of Tupac style. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So it, it's just very varied around here, you know, which is cool. When and you, then Bismarck, he's like a comedian. Bismarck, he's a comedy, yeah. Like everything <laughs> he said was funny and he brought a lot of that. So all these different things came from, you know, and they're all completely different. Whereas when you go to Queens, again, a lot of that kind of sounds the same. You listen to Nanaz and you listen to the guys before him, like uh, Roxanne Shante, MC Craig G. 
my man. <laughs> um, you know, they, they kind of have the same, they rap about kind of the same stuff, you know, because they're from the projects. The projects. And, you know, And they don't get out. They kind of hang out in that area. Kind of, yeah. Not, I'm not, you know, it's just... It, that, and everyone kind of and that's where everyone would go to to see the battles and right. all had this kind of whereas here you're kind of like in this one area but you might go to Queensbridge you know and then you might go to the Bronx or you might go to the, and everyone kind of developed their own style out here yeah. but musically there is from what I'm gathering a kind of a style to the Long Island hip hop which is they call it a uh, slow funk or slow flow mm. where um, you're rapping a little more funkier and slow which they say um, Craig Mack started maybe or or EPMD started they were from the same town that notorious big kind of took mm-hmm. because if you listen to early biggie he was a little bit more like party and bullshit like you know like uh just more you know not as laid back mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he starts coming on the you know slower flow right right so they might have <laughs> and he and he was known that he did come out here a lot gotcha. he did come out here and spend yeah. a lot of time with eric and, eric and puff daddy and and, and 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 craig mack wow. Oh, Craig Mack, um, that's a uh, so yeah. We'll get into that flavor in your year. Yeah, so um, it's amazing looking back when these songs hit MTV, and all of a sudden everyone was listening to them. It's just amazing to to look back and think like, oh, these guys are so famous, and that they were just like nine miles away from from us in North Bab or wherever. It was. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of them, you know, aren't um, weren't able to monetize on it enough. Yeah, just because they signed bad deals. I mean, this yeah. is going back throughout the music industry for. Yeah, this is an old 60s tale. Fifties old tale. Yeah, you know, and, and my uncle had a number one hit in nineteen early sixties. Never saw a dime. So between the mob and yeah, and people screwing him. Yeah, wow. so they do they live live music though, like De La Soul. I'm good friends with with Maceo, and uh, I see him every time he comes to New York. Um, but he's never in New York. This is where he lives. No joke. He's the on. Tours, he's yeah. a, he's two hundred fifty. He's days, at casinos. Two hundred fifty days yeah. a week. Yeah. Days a year. Their voice held held up pretty well, right? Yeah. Some oh, of the rappers' I mean, well, voices they got, don't they, hold they up went with well. the gorillas. The gorillas put them on the album, so they do everything now: South America, Europe, Japan. So all wow. this. So this is a funny thing. All of the hip hop that we used to listen to is now huge in Europe for the kids, for the seventeen and eighteen year old kids. Really? Yeah. Like, like early nineties hip hop. Yeah. If you talk to um, kids in the Bronx, they don't know who the Wu Tang Clan is. Right. But if you talk to kids in London, they know who it is. <laughs> so all these guys are doing well touring over there. And it's kind of the same thing. When we grew up, it was like, at least with my friends, it was like Pink Floyd, excuse me, The Who, you know, all these British yeah. psychedelic things that, that 17-year-olds in, you know, I don't right. think yeah, when we were in high school, I don't think kids in London were listening to that. Concerts. They were probably listening to like punk or something. You right, know? right. So that is, right. and, and Japan's that is too. true. Japan's a huge market for, for these guys too. You know, it's funny, you know, not just rap, but all musicians, you know, they have their time in the, in the, in the spotlight, but it, some of those careers are so short lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, even someone like Nelly, who's like a superstar. Mm-hmm. When I saw him at like uh, like New Year's Eve, um, you know the Pitbulls, uh, Pitbulls New Year's Eve, Rock and Eve. Sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, he had a lot of old guys, older guys. But you know, it's it's amazing how quickly they could drop off, and mm-hmm. and uh, even though you're still hearing their stuff on the radio. Well, that's the thing I'm I'm realizing too. There's the creative type musicians, and mm-hmm. then there's the business type musicians. Like Puff Daddy, in my mind, isn't a great music. Right, voice. Amazing businessman. So like he, Dr. Dre, too. Dr. Dre. Well, Dr. Dre was good. Yeah, well, he was a great rapper. But yeah. you know what? Honestly, uh, from what I've heard and done research, Dr. Dre didn't do much. He was kind of the guy who would put the people in the right position to do these things, you mm-hmm. know? So maybe he would have the sound, the best mixer, mm-hmm. and maybe he would have the best guy who's 
can can work the the program and the, on the computer and he kind of you know was the guy who was orchestrating everything but again because he's a good businessman but i don't want to take from so those, those guys those guys are incredible well guys. even athletes right. too i mean same could be said for athletes a lot of them that get into the business side of things um, True. branding promotions and and stuff like that have longer careers as far as yeah, revenue generators guys who are probably 10 times the athlete they were right or, or, exactly yeah, yeah. So, um, like Rod, I had no idea A Rod was was in so many business ventures like Dude. throughout his baseball career. Yeah. And Magic Johnson. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, Magic Johnson had that talk show, right? Remember yeah. that? The yeah. Magic <laughs> Hour or something. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably his worst business venture. Um, but uh, oh, shoot, what do I want to say? Magic Matthew. Hour. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but yeah, the, you know that's probably like that in a lot of things. You know, as far as and you have people that just want to shoot photos. You yeah. know, you have a guy like Kerry Burke on the streets in New York. He just wants to. Yeah. He just wants to chase stories. He has no interest in being an editor. No. Uh, you have firefighters, cops that don't want to take tests to get promotions. They just you like get him on here. Cop or a firefighter. You should get him on here. That'd be cool. Yeah, That'd be very cool. He, I know he would do it. Because yeah, so I call him tomorrow, he would be on a he, train. Um, he uh, grew up and was a music. Um, music writer. Writer. In Boston. And he used area. to tell me stories about how he saw like Nirvana in like a basement. God. You yeah. know, he a lot of the punk stuff he did, and he and he, uh, he saw it all, and he wrote for all, and then he switched to news. Wow! And he's seen it all on that side too. Yeah, that. yeah. To me, a band like Nirvana, um, it's been so long since a band. For I guess I was about what seventh grade or something when we first heard Nirvana, and I remember at that point, you know, what kind of music you liked was part of like your identity, like who yeah, you were. For sure. So I grew up in Queens, um, you know, we listened to like Beastie Boys. I and switched a lot. I was like a hippie. Yeah, I switched a lot too. And then too, I was like yeah. hip hop and then I was like, you know. So then when Nirvana came out, I had I had I'd gotten into like rap as a kid and then went into metal and then Guns N' Roses came out and kind of elevated metal. Um and then kind of got into like new wave music. And then when Nirvana came out and I first heard, I remember where I was in my friend's bedroom. I didn't even know like what the hell to make of it. I'm like, do I like this? Like, this isn't a hair. Band. Am I supposed to like yeah. this? I had no idea. It's like something I never heard before. And at that moment, I mean, Guns N' Roses were yeah. done. You know, all, all that stuff. Yeah. It was like one of those game changing things. Like when the Beatles first like, came out and hip and like doo-wop was over. And now you know? they're all cashing in on me and him. I saw Guns N' Roses this summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I paid to get me and my wife to that concert. <laughs> you know. Karate Kids coming back. I just gave YouTube oh, man. thirty bucks to watch the Karate Kids. Dude, Kid I series. cannot <laughs> wait to do that. I need to set some time and it's give just, YouTube some. You know, money. it's just funny. A lot of this stuff is just like you know. Yeah. I'm on Facebook and I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, He Man T-shirt. Like, what? You know, like, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm going through. I'm like, oh, you know, Tom, Beverly how- Hills Cop. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's cool. You know, they're really getting us. Tom, how old are you? Thirty-five. Right. I've been Beverly close. Hills Cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. What are you? I'm 39. With you're a couple years younger than me. 38. Okay. 1980, right? Gotcha. 79. Benny over here just turned 40. All right, my man. <laughs> got the nice little middle finger. <laughs> All right. So yeah, this this documentary thing, you know, it's it's there, and I'm in no rush. So as I'm doing this, I found out this story about this guy named Craig Mack, who I, I talked to you a little bit about, right? Hmm. So this guy Craig Mack, um, we got one of the last interviews with him before he died. He died uh, January. No, later, February. Um, and he had a hit. He was from Brentwood. He grew up abandoned in the uh, in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Went up, grown up in Brentwood. And um, he launched kind of bad boy. He was the guy they put on first. Wow. Flavor and Year was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then came Biggie. And they did remixes together. And, you know, they yep. it was the two guys. But, you know, I think Craig and Puff kind of had uh, creative differences. So they kind of went their own way. And 
you know, I don't want to give too much away, but Craig got himself in a situation that he wasn't happy with his life and he found God and he wound up moving to South Carolina to a farm community, self-sustaining farm community called the uh, Overcomer Ministry. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a word you could use to describe them. Some people might cult. I don't know. Wow. That's what I'm getting down to. Is it a cult? What's a cult? I don't sure. know. Right, right, right. I think cults are David Koresh. You have guns and you, you know, yeah, I went yeah. down there. There was no guns. These people right, were right, peaceful. Right. Yeah, um, what, what what defines a cult? And Yeah, uh, you know, um, but there was a lot of love going on there. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? So he dies down there. Um, and then I meet this guy, Brother Stair, who, want, you know, who, who, so he just got arrested recently and is charged with, uh, wait, the, the guy, the, the person the who, guy just who said, runs it. Oh, he's from, oh, from down there. The guy, okay. So this guy gets on the radio is what he does. And he, and he tells people, Hey, you know, come down, see me, come to my place, hang out. God's coming. Jesus is coming. And he, he, he talks to God. So he, he's the one who knows that when Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people get, and again, I was down there. It's very peaceful. People seem very chill you know what i mean like mm. they gave me a bunch of eggs to take home i love farm fresh eggs yeah you know excellent i didn't die when i ate them i'm fine <laughs> right. you know um and, and everyone did seem happy so you know and and i and in the last interview with craig he was happy mm. so um you know but this guy did get arrested for some sexual something of sexual nature and trying to find out what exactly happened and what's going on and uh, was he convicted of these allegations at this point no he got charged yeah. and he got released but, you know, the, they came in hard on him with guns and things wow. blazing, and they stuck him in on the 23rd of December and kept – because they knew that – you know this. They keep you to Christmas and, you know, yeah, yeah. and then they didn't – he had to stay there until the 1st and what, didn't get into a judge until the 2nd, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So they really – and they took all of his stuff. So, he, you know, he has quite a gripe, you know, about that. And mm. um, so anyway, um, I kind of moved towards this project, and I'm working with a guy named Alvin. Uh, Alvin Tony, who was um, Rakim's best friend growing up, they played football together for Wine Dance. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Rakim was quite the receiver. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, one of the best athletes to go through, according to Alvin. Sure. Um, and then Alvin was Craig Mack's producer, music producer. So he he's the one that. So he was involved in Bad Boy Records he, he as well. Kinda, Alvin kind of brought Craig to Puffy. Okay. He was the guy. He would do that. He would take a lot of these guys here and bring. And he was like security for EPMD. He's mm-hmm. an amazing guy. Sure. So Alvin and I. Um, Decided to start working on this one together, and he we 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 went down there and we did the interviews and we're kind of putting it together. So now it's more of a story about these two different people. Mm. You know, you have you have this 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 musician from Long Island and this televangelist from Pennsylvania who wound up in the same spot in South Carolina and kind of going the story that way. So what was the circumstances? And mm-hmm. look how you were going to say something. No, no, no. What were the circumstances behind um, Craig Mack's death? Um, he uh, congestive heart failure. Mm. Okay. I don't want to give away too much, but okay. when you were interviewing him, did you know did he know that he was sick? Yes. Okay. I think that's why he gave the interview. Okay. Because he knew this is my last interview. Wow. And he knows if the story's being told, Alvin's the guy to do it because Alvin was his best friend and Alvin has a lot of loyalty. You talk to any of these guys in the mm. community, in the rap community, he's the guy. One more question. And I and again, you may not answer it because you don't want to give stuff away, but was there something in particular that Craig Mack wanted to get off his chest? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Teaser. Very good. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> awesome. So Yeah, you- and, you know, I, the reason I'm working on this, I just think it it's different. I, I love human interest documentaries. I like watching a documentary that's just about a guy. You know, like, um, you ever seen The King of Kong? King of Kong is 
Best Amazing. documentary. Yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. And it's just about this Steve guy Weeby, who Steve plays Weeby? Steve Weeby, who like <laughs> is a guy like us who just has Donkey Kong in his garage and breaks this record of this other guy. You have to see this film. Oh, it's, man. Dude, it's It's amazing. almost like a Ben Stiller movie. And then the guy is like this 80s guy with a mullet who lives in Fort Lauderdale who like runs this Billy chicken Mitchell. wing. Billy Mitchell. Um, <laughs> guys I watched to, it more than once. I'm, I'm so going to watch it again today. <laughs> I just, I'm bad with names sometimes. And uh, so Billy Mitchell is like the greatest character ever. And he just cannot deal you'll, with I'm telling you, you you'll watch this facts. documentary and you'll be like, this isn't real. Yeah, no, this, this isn't is a real. joke. This but it's... <laughs> and that one's more of a funnier one mm. you know the tone of this one's a little more serious mm. but i just do like the ones that are more about people sometimes you know and and that can draw you because the way these things draw you in is from the interviews you know right. it is you can dazzle up a documentary with as much b-roll as you want but yeah. it's really about what these people are saying and telling the story they're telling and i i, I like that story so and it also has a, a lot it's more salacious and tabloidy yeah. and a little more and the it's one a little and, more friction and i feel like the the hip-hop one it's in no rush, you know. Mm. I still have a lot of people I want to talk to. Hello, cool J. Now, is there with the with the hip hop narrative? Is there some you know? Is there friction to be had there? Or is there conflict in that, in those stories, or is it mostly kind of just like, hey, this is cool. All these guys came from Long Island, and you know, here's a little bit there's more good, about them. There's no conflict. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's just like okay, it was from a journalistic standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it was conflict. a suburb of the city. And I really want to get into some of these, you know, the things I find interesting aren't really the music. I don't want to, I know the music, mm. but like White Flight, I, I found out that Roosevelt was like, it's like a national case study. I found this out from Chuck D, mm. who is an amazing speaker. Stern gets he, into that sometimes. He really is like Chuck D of Public Enemy is like the historian for hip hop. He wow. really is. If you mm. want to know anything about anything, you should talk to that guy. He, mm. And he talked to me for an hour and he didn't have to, but he just did because mm. he's, he's that kind of guy. Um... So he told me about Roosevelt was a case study for White Flight, like one year, I don't know the numbers, but it was almost like 75% black. And literally two years later, it was like in the low 20s. Mm. And everyone, you know, came from the city. And so this was happening. Wait, you mean 75% white? And then did I, I just screw that up? Yeah, I think you reversed Sorry, it. Sorry, I reversed right. it. It's White Flight, the don't white people are flying. the listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you know, and, and it was, and Roosevelt's this small stretch. It's not yeah. a big place. And a lot of yo Eddie Murphy came from there. Howard Stern came mm. from there. You know that that would be a great story in itself. That little stretch of Roosevelt. Sure. You know? So yeah. I might even break this thing down into episodes. Maybe you do an episode about Roosevelt and one about Wine Dance and one, one about, about the towns. And then you kind of with the backstory of the music in the eighties. Right, right, what was right. going on from like? Because I'm more interested in what was going around here from like the seventies to the nineties. Some just context. That's, that's yeah, when yeah. I was here. Some historical context. And oh yeah, the drug problem. There was a huge crack problem. Yeah. Apparently Amityville like. There was a stretch where guys were telling me there was pounds of cocaine on the street. Pounds of crack. I didn't know that. Uh, I grew up 11 miles from there. I never saw crack. Yeah, I grew up in Rosedale, Queens. So we would find little crack files all the time. Then we would, we would try to smash them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure I, if we knew what they were at the time. And it was right next to me. I didn't know that. You know? So yeah. I, and, it, and it destroyed families. Yeah. You know? So there is some interesting stuff in there. But this is just no – I guess I'm a tabloid guy at heart. And, and you know, you, straight up tabloid story. You know how to engage an audience and uh, and a wide audience, and certainly the story about the is wider quote unquote cult is a is bigger wider. net that you're casting there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. A and E's already trying to do something. On, they do some. They love cults apparently. Oh yeah, if you put on A and E anytime <laughs> like after eight o'clock, it's a cult cult thing. Um, but yeah, cults, are, cults I, are trending. Yeah, but you know how, how like is a cult a bad thing if they're not violent? 
I know. If they're all just banging yeah, each other, yeah. like and living together and doing whatever, is that a bad thing? Right, as long a, as like they're following the laws of the state that they're in. Andrew, I don't know. That's as long as people seem happy. Wonderful question. And I think the conflict with cults is rooted in our in our religious history versus some sort of uh, objective approach to humanity, you know. Yeah, it's true. Um well we'll look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that'll, that'll be happening soon. I'm going to really start pushing for the film festivals. Awesome, man. You know, maybe... We'll uh, have to write another story. Spring, so maybe submitting... Anything you do, you live in the greater Port Jeff area, so anything you do is fair game. Yeah, you know... If it's newsworthy. Yeah, you know, it is, though. <laughs> the, the news around here is like... It's not like the news that we're used to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's happy, which I like. A lot of the stories... That's what I like. A lot of yeah. the stories you do are, are good, upbeat stories. Constructive, you know? I like to yeah, say. Yeah, we did one on like the zero waste where these people were like... Trying not to use plastic. Not using any plastic. That, yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. And oh like God, you know, got to be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my thing is not noble. It is, but it, Jesus, yeah. like they almost become hobbyists. Like they almost get like like those coupons. It, like yeah, like a coupon. They're almost like a cult. Yeah, very cultish. <laughs> Maybe they are having sex with each other. I don't know. <laughs> hey, as long as you're happy, right? What you said. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They just but, don't use condoms. Yeah. So I, I mean, <laughs> I have been, and I've been telling you for like. Year, almost like a year now like yeah. i want human interest stories in long island i yeah, want yeah. some stories to come out of here but you know it's we'll get there yeah we'll get there but hey man oh, we're running time okay yeah but you know what i i will say this like not it, it is important to cover a lot of this stuff like the memorial day parades you know it's important to cover it i think these uh you know uh, festivals you cover all the time like you know i think i, I think there is some value and importance in yeah that. And I, so, hey, you know, anyone has any good human interest stories, people, interesting people, heroic, right? Please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we're looking to punch up our, uh, our editorial. We're looking video. to win some we awards, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times we people wonder. want to this case with, with uh, what are they called, Emmys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times people wonder, like, how to get in the paper or how to get, like, notified. Just, like, yeah. put yourself out there. Like, that's yeah. the best way. Just, like, reach out to other yeah. people. Hey, you. Here's my name. Here's what we're doing. We'd love yep. to hear back from you if you want to do a piece on us, whatever. Like yep. that's the best way to do it. And a lot of people it just will never do it. it. Yeah, and it's yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to turn turn over some rocks. And uh, you know, a lot of times um, I call it like clam digging. If you ever went clam digging, you know, you'll feel one clam, and then you'll find out there's like 15 clusters in that same spot. Um, when I'm out finding stories, I'm usually talking to one person about a story. And then they're like, oh, you might be interested in, you know, my sister-in-law. She's just, you know, she just opened this thing or she, she just, you know, flew back from, you know, this expedition. And then you talk to her and, she, and they'll lead you to someone else. And you, you find stories just from being out there and, and talking to people, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually people um, will get a sense of what, what, you know, what might be newsworthy, what might be interesting. And then they'll tell you about it. And then you're, you're off to the races. Can I just say one last thing that I think is very funny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was uh, browsing Mike's Facebook the other day. And this guy wrote a bad review. Yeah, I don't remember ahead. why, but he wrote something like, oh, Babylon sucks. Trek like, choose Trash and Bayshore. Yeah, yeah. Bay- Bayshore sucks. Gave me like, one star. Yeah, gave him one star. He's like, don't make it like this place is cool or, or, or nice. It's dump. <laughs> and then, like, he, Mike went in on his Facebook, found, like, some uh, racist. Overtly disgusting. <laughs> what he write? Something about, like, I don't know, some horribly racist thing. And then, like, puts it on the review with a reply and says, like, Oh, we're glad that racists don't like our stuff. <laughs> I was like, nice, man. Yeah, I took a screen. Oh, you went from his own page? Yeah, I went to his own page, found some you know racist <laughs> meme or something. Took a screen grab of it, and we said, we love them disgusting racists. Give us one-star reviews. Yeah, yeah. It's like the one one-star review on it. It's so funny, man. That's fantastic. And you knew his one-star was racially motivated. Of course. Yeah. yeah. How, this place doesn't look nice. Come on. Yeah, yeah. 
God. But yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you saw that. I got a one-star review one time because uh, a person who hadn't even come and float, but they didn't, they didn't like our pictures that we had up because they weren't they didn't show enough and they weren't descriptive enough, so they gave us one star. And I just I actually reached out to Facebook and I think they took it down because it was oh, like yeah. this person I, they actually, the person wrote in there like I had never been there, but from the pictures it looks blah blah blah. And Facebook actually took it down because it's like this isn't a real review because yeah. the person hasn't Dude, been here. Think and, about the restaurants. Right. Think about how yeah. like oh, God, subjective people are about their food. Like people give one stars, they don't even try the food. Oh, I walked in, it was busy on a Saturday, and it took them a while to. Right, seat right, by right, right. 12 people you know <laughs> i love it when people complain about the teenagers i'm like i don't know these small businesses and they're employing like your neighbor's kids yeah. like like yeah. should they just no they just rule them. out employing young people IV and giving them their uh, first graduates. jobs what the fuck yeah like that's the most ridiculous complaint people um have. real quick mm-hmm. about patchock i got a question for you because yeah. i was just talking to a local business owner do you think they're letting in too much of the same thing in patchock because i'm hearing two more Almost like it's becoming a theme. Like no, a, like uh, there's two like sushi places, and, and now like they're talking about more pizza places coming. Oh, okay. you know, like, yeah. and I don't know. Like, should they not allow that? Uh, you know, it's hard. You know, because I mean, I personally um, would hate like restricting. You know, I, I'm a free market guy. You know, so if there's three pizza parlors and you want to open the fourth and crush it, yeah, you know, go go for it. Yeah, I mean, chances are low. Yeah, um, but but if yeah. you're the new guy, people are trying you. You yeah. know, and if you're the old guy, you're like, hey, I've been here forever. I'm yeah, just yeah. playing devil's advocate. And I don't, I don't want to be sen- insensitive to those people, but I'm just not sure. Yeah. You know, you know, Babylon Village is, is has strict control over what type of food people serve. Most yet they villages still around in, here, man. Yet they still let That's in, the thing. There's still four or five Asian restaurants. That's in why that has been doing so well because they're letting local people come and open businesses here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you and know, they're not restricting. They're uh, not restricting. You want to open a closed store, open one. You know, you want to open up a restaurant, fine. There was a guy, and, yeah. and this is a this is a good case for for where this goes wrong. Uh, he he had worked at um, a famous Italian place up on the uh, on the Upper West Side in Midtown. What the hell is it called? It's a family Italian place uh, for twenty years. Awesome Italian chef, and he wanted to open a small takeout place serving kind of like elevated Italian food to go. And his son, he worked at Bank of America here in Patchogue. They wanted to do this in Babylon, um, and uh, and ba- and Babylon Village basically told him no, they can't serve Italian yeah. food yeah. because there's you know Mario's Pizza down the block or yeah. something like that. And so they had to rejigger their whole entire business plan. And now they serve like authentic Mexican food, which is very, very good. Um, and I'm just like, well, what if you put like, like tomato sauce and mozzarella yeah, and what's, a taco? What's Italian food? Yeah, like where the fuck? How do you? Choose? Northern Italian foods. Like, <laughs> like I would just make an Italian you know, like, taco just to fuck with them. Yeah, like what's the same? You know, they mean they mean like New York, Long Island Italian, I, yeah, like yeah, just chicken don't parms know. and stuff. And then I'm at the I'm <laughs> at the board meeting, just chicken parm. <laughs> I'm at the village board meeting where they're like talking to him, and they're like, all right, well. If you decide to change your menu up, you better alert us. I'm like, this whole thing is weird, you know? Wow. So to speak to your thing, I think this is a slippery slope of what's what, you yeah. know? It's kind of hard to legislate, and I just think free market usually is, is the best I answer. I do think Patchogue's been doing a good job. Yeah. And I'm hoping Port Jeff opens it up its eyes, and a lot of these other towns. I hope they yeah. start following in the footsteps of this place, because a lot of business, a lot of people have jobs down here. Let people with energy and money and creative yeah. drive. Letting um, people vision, drink on the streets. Go for it. You know yeah. what I mean? Early, <laughs> <laughs> it um yeah I remember when I went for my meeting at the Patro Hall yeah. about the float place they were like you know all right here you go you know permission granted but like if you really want to do this like go ahead man yeah. like yeah yeah kind of yeah. the like, the Patrick Village Board succeed. planning board meetings are pretty awesome uh, yeah. a lot of times when they give one. approvals they like you get you know there's like applause sometimes yeah. it's just yeah. it's it's very nice yeah. mm-hmm. what, what were you here for 
We went when we were doing the New Year's. Oh. Was that a meeting? Oh, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a planning board meeting. That was actually us just planning oh, okay. the, New Year, the New Year's event. Oh, this is like a public event. Yeah. I met the planning board like that approves yeah. you know, people's business plans. Yes. And is this a public thing you can go to? Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I think it's like the first Tuesday of every month or second oh, Tuesday. Cool. Yeah, you've been through it. And then yeah. you got to go through our architectural review. Make you sure you send sign someone there every time. We do. Oh, and you write it up? <laughs> I should. Good I should thing you're here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we go there and we get stories. It's not kind of. No, but even like, like a write up. Hey, yeah. this person wants to do this. This person wants to do this. Oh, that one's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so we've done a lot of that. You know, if we saw like Patsy's Pizzeria is opening up, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we'll go to planning board. Sometimes we don't go to the meeting, but we'll go to the planning board application, get a phone number, call the guy. Hey, we want to write a story about you opening up Batchog. Yeah, go for it. So, yeah, we just, we kind of just work the village. Ronkonkum is next. Ron yeah, Ronkonkoma. Yeah. We well, I work for, you know, Tritech sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And they're opening up this giant thing in Ronkonkoma. What's nice about Ronkonkoma is, yeah, good. They're adding lo- they're adding train lines, which is huge. Two mm. more train, two more train, they're going to be directs from the city. Mm. And, you know, corporate space, same thing, they're going to do uh, rentals, but they're building it. The different thing is they're building it downtown. Yeah. Down here, from they scratch. just put rentals down in Port Jeff and some... Patchogue, but this is like its own downtown. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I got a good feeling about. It, I think. Cool man. If you're gonna invest. If you're looking at property. Yeah. Go to Ronkonkoma. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Or Greater Ronkonkoma. And then Greater Ronkonkoma will look for yeah. us in 2000. What 20? Uh... Yes, 2020 something. <laughs> <laughs> That'll right. be the middle. You did the south. Yes. You're gonna come north, and then you'll and then you'll come in the middle. Yeah, all, exactly. For, for all those Sachem kids. And then anything out of Brookhaven Town Hall was kind of we could share to all the sites, which cool. makes life easier. So, man. yeah, man, uh, Andrew, thanks so much. Man. Yeah, it's really dude. been fascinating awesome. talking to you. Fun stuff, guys. Thanks for taking the time out. 495, all right. All right. Present. Out. That's it. Radio. <laughs> I've ever felt before in my current state and in these days of war. We must grow together or the end is near. Thicken up your skin and loosen up your fears. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting through my limitations, choosing to move.